right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived, and we are going for a ride with Queensryche. They are here. New singer Todd Latore and founding member Michael Wilton are going to be talking about the latest album, Condition Human. What it's like having Todd in the band now. He's a great guy. I love Todd. Got a great story about Todd standing in the front row for a Fozzie concert a few years ago. We're also talking about the famous Queen of the Reich video, the Empire album, opening for ACDC, touring and having dinner with the Scorpions, Mike Stand or no Mike Stand on stage for Todd, and yes, they've got favorite Queensryche songs that they play live You'll hear which are the toughest for Todd to sing. What might actually surprise you, and obviously Jeff Tate, one of the greatest singers of all time, Todd has had to emulate that and duplicate it and do his own thing. He's done a great job. Uh, excellent, excellent interview with Queensryche there on the way. I'm actually uh, recording this before we get to Queensryche in the dressing room in Houston. It's the end of WrestleMania weekend. And what a weekend it was. And, you know, I could go through WrestleMania and tell you, you know, my reviews of the matches and all that sort of thing. Needless to say that uh, I had a great time working with AJ Styles, all four of our matches. And the last one at WrestleMania was exactly what we wanted. And especially after the amazing spectacle of the uh, seven-man intercontinental ladder match, our mission was to bring it down a bit and then build it back up with wrestling. And we did that. It was one of the best matches on the show. I don't mind saying that. I think our match, the uh, seven-man uh, ladder match, and I think the uh, women's match were the three highlights of that show. But the thing is, you know, they always say that, that WrestleMania is the uh, Super Bowl of wrestling and it is but the difference is in the Super Bowl the guys in the NFL get to go home you know for two or three months get to go to Disneyland get to go hang out with their kids or whatever we go straight to work the next night in Dallas and Dallas um, was a blast as well the, the main event match with me and uh, versus Owens versus AJ versus the returning Cesaro was another one of my favorites uh, two you know five-star matches in a row whatever you want to call them two great matches in a row and four ways are not easy to do, but we put it together and banged it out, and it was a tremendous night. Famous for the crowd trying to hijack the show. Night after WrestleMania is when all the jack-offs seemed to show up and you know, like to chant their own things. And they were doing that to an extent, but they didn't do it to us, and they shouldn't have because it was a great match. Instead of chanting, we are awesome, and uh, beach ball party or whatever, they were chanting, this is wrestling, this is awesome, and all that sort of thing. And, and, they, and they were right. They got a great show. And, um, you know, they want to boo the good guys and cheer for the bad guys, and that's fine. But that leads to the next night here in Houston, which is interesting because this is the third night in a row out of a... Uh, and not only just as far as just the wrestling goes, I mean, we've been nonstop since Raw last week in Brooklyn, straight to Dallas, appearances, signings, press, parties, uh, you know, banquets, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that sort of thing, signing pictures and autographs, and then go straight to three hard nights of wrestling now. Tonight, you know, SmackDown, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to get through it. But you have to keep in mind that the people in Houston have been waiting for months to see this show. They don't know how long we've been on the road for. They don't care how long we've been on the road for. All they know is that uh, they've been waiting for this show right after WrestleMania. And it damn well, we got to do our best to give them a great show. And we did. I was very excited. There's an amazing match. You'll see it on Thursday night. Uh, me and Kevin Owens versus AJ and Cesaro. Very cool match, and we had a great time on stuff that you didn't see on TV uh, during the match, and then also afterwards when AJ and Roman were standing in the ring. There was a huge buzz coming from the crowd. People were really, really into it. AJ Styles, Roman Reigns. AJ Styles, Roman Reigns. So I had just got knocked out by Cesaro with a forearm, and I was hiding kind of in the timekeeper area, and I was watching the monitor. And I said to myself, you know, when the match is done and they're standing there, 
Because um, what happened was after AJ, uh, after the match was done, the Dudleys came down and beat up AJ. Then Roman came down and they cleared the house. So AJ and Roman are standing in the ring alone. This is all after uh, the cameras have gone off, the, the the dark match, so to speak. So I'm waiting. I said, if they shake hands, I'm, I'm going to go in the ring. And so there's, they waited, waited, great reactions. They finally shake hands, and I grab the mic and go, hey, all right, all right, all right, here we go. Isn't this ridiculous that AJ and Roman shake hands in the worst city, in the worst state in the entire United States of America? Boo. So I went in the ring, and I said, Reigns, you go stand in the corner like a good boy and wait until I call you son. And as far as you're concerned, AJ, I said, you got one chance to shake my hand and apologize for telling all these people to chant Y2 Jackass. And of course, then they start chanting, why two jackass? Why two jackass? And I'm like, I'm like you shut up. Shake my hand, shake my hand. And then I, I told the ref to tell him when I shake his hand to pull me in and gave me the Styles Clash, which he did. Huge reaction. And of course, I pull myself up and turn around right into a Roman Reigns spear. So uh, leave the people literally going home happy. And that's what we used to do all the time in 2003, 2002, 2001 with Rock and Austin. You'd go out there and you just talk and improv and uh, just have some fun. And, and, and people enjoy that. So the people in Houston didn't get the night after uh, WrestleMania, the, the Dallas show. They didn't get the spectacle of WrestleMania. But they got uh, guys having fun and doing stuff that you don't normally see on TV and won't see on TV. That was just for the house and they left happy. And that's what wrestling is all about. Uh, and that's what continue to be about. I'm enjoying my run here in the WWE. I ain't going anywhere. For all you jackoffs that think you can predict what my future is, I'm not going anywhere. Am I going to be here next week? Yeah. Am I going to be here one month? I'm not going to tell you. You just have to wait and see. But uh, like I said, it was an amazing time. There is nothing like uh, like WrestleMania, the vibe, the energy. And um, it's been three years. My last WrestleMania was in New Jersey in 2013. And man, it's addictive. You know, you think about WrestleMania, think about how big it is, and you you prepare for it and you, you you look towards it for months and months and months and then when you actually get there and get to that stadium and see 101,000 people I'll tell you what man it's an experience like no other and it doesn't matter how many shows I've done how many matches I've had how many Wrestlemanias I've had there's been 12 nothing beats uh, beats going out there in front of that type of crowd and having a, a great match and it's uh, it's what we do this for so I hope you guys enjoy Wrestlemania hope you enjoy Raw hope you enjoy Smackdown and I hope you enjoy this show Talk is Jericho all right, so uh, we're here in uh, in Chicago, which is always a, a great rock town, which I'll get to with, with Todd and Mike from, from Queensryche. Do you guys like playing in Chicago? Do you have certain towns that you go to that you think, oh, this is going to be a good show tonight? Chicago's a good rock town. Yeah. Period. I mean, and Queensryche has a big history here. We've played so many years here. But uh, yeah, the, the fans here are amazing and very loyal. Mm. You know, they're very uh, supportive of you know the rock industry and everything so it's always great to come to chicago because you know you're going to have a good show i always notice that too even like um for fozzy or for wwe like if you look at the itinerary and whenever i see chicago like you said you know okay these this crowd is going to be crazy they're going to be nuts it makes it so much easier right and you get excited about it yeah you do <laughs> like you know it, there's there's one of those things where you can have the best gig in the world but if the crowd isn't like going nuts for it how good was the gig Right. Exactly, you know. Yeah. And if you play a gig where you hit some clams and hit some wrong notes and that sort of thing, but the crowd's going bananas, uh, we don't do that. We don't do that. That <laughs> 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 never happens. But here we are, though. And uh, you know, it, it's been a while now that Todd, you've been in the band for three years now. Yeah, I, yeah, it'll be four years in 
June or July. Yeah. So, and I noticed I was listening to uh, Conditioned Human, which is the new record over here. And to me, that now you really kind of got in the groove with this record. I mean, Queen's Like Queen's Like was cool, but this one to me is really, really standing out. Does it take a while? for you as a new guy and for you Michael being here from the start since 1983 to kind of get into the groove with each other uh, in a situation like this with what you guys went through well yeah it, it, whenever somebody new comes in there's a you know an incubation period mm-hmm. there's bonding that happens the chemistry has to you know meld into the identity of the band and um, you know Todd's been with us just around four years and it's 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 amazing you know how he's come in and just fit perfect and um not just sonically but as a person you know the uh, mm. he just fits in with everybody you know there's there's no uh weird baggage or or ego problems so it's been great was it hard Todd, when you first come in like you know you've got four guys that are kind of in the gang and you're the new kid on the block like how do you deal with that right off the bat how did you fit in it actually it was pretty seamless because I already had a relationship with Michael and kind of uh, we had a great rapport from the beginning when I flew to Seattle and met everyone in person. I mean, I'm pretty quick to to understand someone's personality and their quirks and their traits. You know, I can approach I mean, you're you I know you know what I'm talking about, especially when it comes to songwriting or something or there's a, a business idea or, you know, good, bad or indifferent. You know how to approach each person in the band based on their personality. And so I have my own unique relationship with Michael that I don't have with anyone else in the band, just as I do with Eddie and Parker. So, you know, they they were all really open arms with me, and there wasn't that ego. Like, I thought, okay, I'm joining this band, and, you know, I'm going to be told what to say, how to dress, what to do. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and none of that happened. And I really can't stress enough how fortunate I am that I, they give me complete freedom and they understand that I know the boundaries of what is Queensryche, what it represents. Um, they allow me to be me completely because they know that I understand um, what the role is and um, and I just I'm just me mm-hmm. you know and so when it comes to songwriting there's no uh, hard feelings about ideas that that maybe aren't welcomed that great if they write something that I'm not crazy about I give them my feedback if I sing something that or write something that they they can improve upon or they go eh, you know I don't feel bad at all and so the fact that I do feel I almost feel like the music part is secondary and our friendship is primary. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, the music doesn't really become secondary in a way. They're kind of paralleled. And it just makes for a really awesome environment. You know, these guys are very special to me. If if it all ended today for Todd, this is these are friendships that Mm -hmm. will continue and last, I believe, for my lifetime. You know, and there is no ego problem. I, I got really lucky. 
Because you know. that is the thing too, Michael. Like when you're talking about, obviously, okay. So Todd, amazing voice, and I'll say because I've seen you live, and, you. and and you sing live like you do on the record. It's almost, it's almost like you're an X Man or something, like <laughs> vocal man. I just need your muscles. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about your tight black leather jacket, and you right. had a tight black red one before, which I really loved. It yeah. looked like Ringo Starr's jacket on the <laughs> on the rooftop when he's playing drums, and it was his wife's. Oh my god! <laughs> but I mean, you're talking about bringing in this guy. Like you said, obviously sonically, it's one of the best choices, if not the best choice you could make. Perfectly. What about getting together uh, on a personal level? Because, like we said, when you're on the bus for six months or a year, the personality is more important than than the actual vocal that you're feeling 90 minutes on stage. Is that always hard to kind of uh, figure that out? Because you don't really know what you're going to get at first. Well, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's something that all bands that tour in a tour bus with a bunch of guys is something they have to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're adults, we're civilized, you know, we're, we've kind of uh, passed those days of yahooing and losing our minds all the time, you know? (laughs) So, um, I think, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. And, uh, so, you know, like Todd was saying, we're all kind of uniquely different, guys and but we just kind of cohabit you know Mm. we we get along and for some weird reason Mm -hmm. and if i knew how i'd bottle it up and sell it (laughs) other bands yeah (laughs) because another thing too todd that i get the vibe and and you know watching you on the last tour you're not taking lightly the fact that you're the singer the new singer in queensryche Right, a very iconic voice of Jeff Tate, and then you know you think of like the great singers of the '80s. I mean, Bruce Dickinson and Halford, and yep. Jeff is always in there, of course. And you never took that lightly. You have it seems like you have great respect for this position that you have. I do. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Jeff Tate's voice and what he did, primarily on those first six albums. Mm-hmm. To me. It was amazing. I would never discredit how awesome, you know, all of that material is and what he um, did with the band. Um, so, you know, I, I I always try to encourage everyone to, even though there was the split and blah blah blah, that there's you know, people are fans of him, still be fans, and it doesn't, and discount, it doesn't the discount the music right. at all. Um, you know, I at first I felt okay. I'm going to obviously be compared to those early records of a prime singer in his early 20s, mid-20s. And I get that. But at some point, I just had to say, you know what? I, I can only do the best that I can do. And I just hope that people give me a chance and, and the guys in the band a chance. And show by show, you know, we are converting the skeptics. And people, if they're open-minded and can get past the purest mentality, they usually walk away going, wow, that was undeniably a great show. Todd, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, I owe you an apology. And I say, for what? (laughs) They say, I actually came here to prove to myself that you weren't as good as some people said you were. I came here wanting to not like you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And And so they say, wow. You know, I'm so impressed. And, you know, the fact that we do play the songs in standard tuning, and I think... Wow, is there's it, no down tuning at all? Never. Right. No. 
And just you so know, people at home listening, that means they're not tuning down to a lower note so that you're singing lower. You're singing those songs I sing it, yeah. the way they were recorded 30 yes. years ago. Everything is, is true to, to the tunings of how they were originally done. And look, a lot of people do tune down to, to make it a little easier, but I... I don't want to do that. Hmm. Yeah, it would be a lot easier for me, but I don't. And so, you know, I don't hit every note every night perfect every time. But I think that the that the people appreciate that I go for it. Most of the time, I, I do very well. But there are those times where I don't. I say, you know, but I'm always going for it, and I try then, then to – to, to tune down and make it easy. I don't want to become complacent. I want to rise up to those challenges um, versus having the band come down to, you know, to the, to, I don't mm-hmm. say my level, but to that level where it is easier for me. Um, you know, and so to me, that's, that's a, it's very important to try to always remain true to, to those recordings. And I think that the people appreciate that, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. doing the best that I can. I don't profess to be the greatest on the planet, um, but I always do my very best. And I think that because I hit, if not all of them, almost all of those those you know signature notes and stuff that yeah, are the, those the songs, screams that you have to you know hear the I, the, the, those really stand out to the people and they go wow you know he's mm-hmm. this is how I remember hearing the music. You know? how, how was it for you the first gig that you played with Todd? Oh, I I've saw people in the front row. Their their jaws dropped. <laughs> you know, he goes, uh, let's warm up on Queen of the Reich. And everybody was like, you know, <laughs> immediately on their phones, texting. It was, right, you know, right, it right. went viral. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah. It but was, see, that, that's the thing, too. Like, you're talking about, like, for example, when guys get in their 50s or 60s, it's hard to sing high, high melody lines. Sure. You know, I'm thinking even like, you know, for example, Kiss doesn't do any songs really from the 80s because that's when Paul's voice was so high and so powerful. It just you don't do that anymore. Was it kind of fun for you? Because Jeff's voice changed as well. Now you're playing. You can pick any song you want and go, let's try that one. Well, that's what's so important about a band that's been around as long as we have. You know, we have over a 30 year legacy. Right. Of music. And I think, you know, Todd hit it, you know, perfect. He's. He's representing the music as it was recorded because when you have people that haven't seen the band in like 10, 20 years and they come back and they hear those songs and you see them close their eyes and go, that's how I heard it when I was in college yeah. or you know, at a party or my first date, whatever. That's the, uh, that's the key. You know, he has his own nuances you know, and uh, he puts that in slightly, but... You know, and that's to say, as far as you know, the the guitar parts, the the solos and stuff, they're they're melodic, right? Mm-hmm. People want to hear those melodies like they heard them on the records, you know, right, twenty yeah. twenty five years ago. And uh, for us, that's the best way to do it. You know, if if Todd would have come in and just had an ego and wanted to sing it his way and just sound like Todd, you know, it's it's a careful mm. balance that. Yeah, you know he, he he respects the music. He respects the songs, and that's people see that you know. And he was it, immediately just you know brought into the whole Queensrÿche it's fan a, it's base. It's a good point we just said. I had Stuart Copeland on this show, and they were talking about when they did the Police reunion, and how Stan and him were kind of arguing a bit at first, and then realized like this isn't about us anymore. These songs don't belong to us. They belong the to fans, the fans, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the years of memories, and like it doesn't matter 
what we think or what we want to do. It matters that these people want to hear it the way they remember it. Right. And once they came to that kind of, you know, detente, they, they, they got along. It's kind of what you're saying. Exactly. You know? And Queensryche, it's an entity, you know, it's a machine. And it's been going, you know, for 30 years. We've been constantly evolving, you know, staying true to the alchemy of, of our way of doing things. And we're continuing that right now. But, um, you know, if we got complacent and just followed a secret recipe, uh, let's just copy the, what we did on the last record. Mm-hmm. Let's just do that formula. The fans are smart. They're going to they're gonna pick you apart. Right. And with this new body of creativity that we have in the band, you know, everybody's very, you know, ready to write. Everybody's to contributing. And, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really exciting being a, you know, in a band to watch something grow and, and how it matures. You know, watching a song that starts just from a guitar riff and then everybody's putting their input into it. And then it just becomes this, you know, massive eight minute mm. song or something. Yeah. You know, that's what's fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, the creative process. Yes. And then playing it live afterwards. Mm-hmm. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. Did you have any, uh, like, you know, you always heard, like, you know, for example, when Jakey Lee, when Randy died, you bring back Randy, Randy Rhodes. Like, did you get any fans like that that were so Jeff Tate, they just wanted Jeff Tate and they were so angry that you were there? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> you got the, I mean, the, fans, the, right? Yeah. The people that, <laughs> the people that come out to our, to our shows, though, you know, the majority are people that already support the band, you know, because they come out. That's proof of it. But then you do have that, that percentage of people that are curious you know, yeah, the arms crossed, crossed all that kind of stuff. And like you said, I got I have a bullseye on my throat. And, you know, and, and the thing is, I'm never going to be him. You know, I don't want to be him. Mm-hmm. I'm just me. And, you know, but the, the, the other thing, too, is, is because Queensryche, the music and the vocal stylings and Iron Maiden and, and a few others um, were so influential to me that all of those subtleties that are part of the vocal phrasings of Queensryche's music, you know, that I have said it a million times, that just morphs into how you kind of, it shapes how you are as a singer. So when I do songs uh, from the back catalog and there's all those little crying things and all those, those little isms, you know, that is so natural to me. And people say, well, he's trying to copy. Well, I'm, I'm representing it the way that I believe it, it, it should be, but that I'm also not, it's not contrived because when I write my own stuff and it's an emotional thing, you know, I do have those, those inflections that were so much a part of Jeff Tate's vocal phrasings. It's highly same with Bruce Dickinson. You know, I have a lot of things that are very 
Bruce Dickinson-ish. And, and, you know, even our producer, Zeus, you know, I would do something. He's like, oh, dude, that's really Brucey. And I would say, but that's, I didn't even think, you know, this is how yeah, I do yeah, it. Yeah. And he would say, yeah, and I, I know. And so going back to what Michael said, as much as Queensryche, I want to say, doesn't have boundary, you know, like borders, we can do, you know, anything from uh, Della Brown to Queen of the Reich or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. There still are boundaries you know i'm not gonna death growl on a queensrike record i can't do you know so i understand what the music calls for what queensrike is and represents and um but at the same time you know on the new record there are things that queens has never been on a queensrike record if you listen to some of the vocal uh, textures uh, like on Hellfire, you know, I do some higher gritty screams, you know, the grit was never a part of Queensryche mm-hmm. vocal stylings. But these guys have allowed me um, to be Todd and where the music calls for some of those things. I, I am me. And so I think that, um, in fact, yesterday we had a meet and greet in Milwaukee and this guy was was I love the new record. And he says, in my opinion, this is kind of embodies all of those records that I loved in one album. You've managed somehow to capture um, so many different textures and dynamics, but it all sounds cohesive mm-hmm. at the same time under under this record. And I, that was a huge compliment. It wasn't something we we were seeking to do, but obviously we were conscious of of those signature staple fundamental things that are Queensryche, the the harmony guitar things, you know, the the, the title track, Condition Human, it's an eight minute song. Yeah. There are parts that are reminiscent of Sweet Sister Mary or Roads to Madness. We didn't rip it off, but a band has its own style and sound. Yeah, you know, I mean, and so it's, well, that's what I was saying before. Condition Human is a very Queensryche. You yeah. could have heard this, you know, sandwiched in between uh, in Rage for Order and, and Mind Crime. It's got that vibe to it. That's a huge compliment. But that's what I'm feeling from it. You know, I, I really get that vibe. That's awesome. And you know what's happening back, you know? is, you know, back to the whole creative outburst of everybody. You've got the proven assets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in our DNA. It's you know, Zeus brought it out of us. It's. And the the reason it sounds like Queensryche is because, you know, we're the guys that are Queensryche. Right, right, right. You the know. nucleus is there. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Jerry Cantrell said, you know, he gets that all the time. Wow, it sounds just like Alice in Chains. Well, How could it not? not? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, was that kind of fun for you? Because I, I get the, I mean, not get the sense. I mean, if you listen to the last few Queensryche records before Todd came in the band, it's very much, you know, a, a Tate style of American soldier and those type of things. Was it fun to kind of open the box? Because obviously you guys like playing the heavier stuff and maybe even missed it because the first set list of all when Todd came in had Roads to Madness and had all of these mm-hmm. classic Queensryche tunes that you hadn't done for years. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're musicians, we're artists, and when you stifle creativity with outside writers, oh, it's frustrating, right? Yeah. You know, so now you, you got the whole band writing and uh, performing, and, and it's, you know, you feel the energy on stage. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm, I'm talking to people after the shows that haven't seen us since 95. They're going, and then I just, you know, heard you were in town, came to check it out, and it's, holy crap. You know, yeah. It's... Uh, I like what you're doing. Yeah, because like you said, the 95 on to 2012 or whatever, there was a kind of a shift in Queensryche's newer material. It was much more 
introspective and not as heavy and not as not as metal, I guess. Metal is probably you know we're in a, a unique situation as as far as our fans because we have old school fans, we have fans that disappeared for a couple decades, mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, fans of Todd, we've got you know fans of uh, uh, Parker. Parker is twenty nine years old. Mm-hmm. You know he's bringing in a whole audience. Our our uh, old school fans have had their offspring who've been brought up on Queens, right? They're coming to the shows. That's now, cool. Yeah. And their friends are coming to the show. So it's a, just a, a weird variety of people that are, that are at our shows now. I, I had a lady, great. I had a lady in a, in an elevator. We play, I can't remember where we played and I got in the elevator and she says, Oh, I, I just, I just saw you on stage. And I was like, I said, yeah, she goes, I saw you in 1989. She says to me, I saw you in 1989. She goes, and you sing just as good as you did in 89. And I said, ma'am, thank you very kindly. And she goes, she goes, and, and your name is, um, she goes, you're, you're Jeff. And I said, actually, I hate to burst your bubble. I'm, I'm not that guy. I said, but, but thank you for still coming to support the band and um and I'm glad that you liked it mm. and I wasn't I you know I wasn't upset no but she thought but she thought that I was sure him and and I and and her, you know her ears you know to her ears this sounded just as good to her as it did you know when the band right. was was you know at its peak in the early late 80s early 90s and I thought well, man, we are doing something right. But see, we're rock guys, you know, and especially for you guys being in it. But like, we read Blabbermouth, and you're online, and you're, you know, you're reading everything. Majority of people don't know as much as we know. So there's probably people that show up and think they that you are know. Jeff Tate. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they could care less. It sounds yeah. great. We love it. Yeah. That's all that matters. It's amazing know? that people still on our Facebook, they'll be like, you know, a band photo, you know, and, and yeah. they'll say, well, who, you know, where, where's Jeff? Where's, who's that guy? And then, you know, all the fans are like attacking, you know, and they're like, dude, where have you been? Yeah, where have you been? But, you know, it's all good. And, it's and, like uh, the coolest hair Jeff Tate's ever so had now. funny. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. What, uh, what, so you saw Queensryche a lot when you were growing no, up? No, I saw Queensryche two times in my whole life. Which tours did you see? I saw the Mindcrime Empire tour and like was that 91? 91. Okay. And then and then I saw the band on their last show of the 30th anniversary tour at Ruth Eckerd Hall where, near oh, where okay. you and I live in yeah. Clearwater. And the program director was a big Crimson Glory fan. And um so I had a friend who said, "Oh, the guy want, you know, you want to meet, you know, he wants to meet you." And I said, "Yeah, great. That'd be awesome." So he says, "Hey, do you want to meet the band?" And I said, well, sure. I mean, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to encroach on anybody's territory here. No, no, no. So I was the last guy in the line, and I went through, and I met my... This was November 2011, okay? Okay. And so I went through, and I met everyone in the band, everyone. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that there was turmoil or things were weird. Um, but I went through and, and saw everybody, and that was the only time that I saw... So I was a huge fan, but I had only seen the band... Two times two in times. my whole life, and I met I met them uh, in the in the early nineties. They did a, a signing at like Specs Music or Turtles or one of those, <laughs> yeah. and 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 I stood in line for like an hour. It was like ninety five YNF or ninety eight Rock or something, and that you know they signed my. I have photographs from that, you know, with with everyone, you know, Chris DeGarmo and Jeff, and you know I got to meet have Michael. You sh- and- have you showed them the pictures? 
I haven't shown them those because okay. those are those are they're at home and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I only saw the band twice, and and you know it's pretty amazing that. You know, sometimes I still have to pinch it's myself. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah, now you're actually in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Well, and, and just I saw the first time I saw Queensrÿche was 1986. Who made who tour? Where you guys opened for ACDC? Yes, which was an interesting mix. I mean, you guys were much heavier, but it was a great show. But was that a management thing, or how did you get on that tour? We opened for you know many bands. Yeah, I mean, we we opened uh, for Bon Jovi, we opened for Ozzy, we opened for Dio, we opened for Metallica, I saw Iron that tour Maiden, too, yeah. ACDC. Yeah, we were just a hardworking touring band because that's how we figured because our our music was unique in the sonic landscape of things. And we were um, going to build our following by touring mm-hmm. and just, we just toured our asses off. We were young, you know, and we could do it. And, uh, how was it with, with, with ACDC? It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, we hanging out with those guys, <laughs> the characters, Yeah, you know, <laughs> Um, was, was they with Angus or like, does Angus ever hang out? He seems pretty quiet. He, he was really mellow. Yeah. He was like, um, you know, he drank his tea every day <laughs> and he had like a six foot four blonde, you know, girlfriend or wife or something. You know, <laughs> right. Really interesting fellas. And, uh, you know, just really, really, uh, you know, they were great to us and it was a, it was a great tour. I remember too because that's when you guys because the, the first time I saw Queensrÿche and I'm sure you saw this too Todd was the Queen of the Reich video and I'll never forget it's one of those typical 80s videos where it's the future right. like every video but my favorite part was that when you guys were first appear it says your name at the bottom like a movie yeah. Michael Wilton <laughs> Scott Rockenfield and I thought that Rockenfield was the coolest last name right oh my gosh I always wondered if I have right. that name <laughs> and I didn't know if it was Rockenfeld or Rockenfield like everyone they're like no it's Rockenfeld yeah. I'm like I don't you know I don't really know. And then when I get to me, I get those at Rock and Field. Do you remember about that shoot, about the video shoot? Like you guys are rock guys. They did. Was there a director? We're going to have you stand here, and there'll be laser beams. It'll be amazing. Yeah, we were just, you know, we were kids. We were yeah. like nineteen, twenty years old. We're like in this. I don't know. There was a. a horror movie or space movie next door and we just borrowed a bunch of their stuff and threw it in and just threw it in. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was very surreal. You know, it was in those days. It's just like, okay, wow, okay, we got it going. It's all organized. Let's just go with the flow. We'll do it. You know, right? And we got the babe from the you know the space movie next door to come <laughs> in. <laughs> she was the queen of the Reich. And how did you get the get the name Queens Reich? Was it from that song, or was the song from the name of the band? Um, well, originally we were called the Mob, and then when we did a search on it, it was taken by some some band. So. Um, and how do you do a search back in nineteen? I don't know, right? But we did it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just Google it back then, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, um, you know. And then Chris uh, DeGarmo had a song called "Queen of the Reich," and he came. You know, it was like the eleventh hour. We're getting ready to press our EP, and he just, "What are we gonna do?" You know, and he goes, "Queen's Reich." And we went, "What? We'll spell it differently." And there's only like two other bands in the Q section in the record stores. <laughs> oh Qu- Quarter Flash and Queen. We're <laughs> Quarter Flash. Dude. Oh my Harden my heart. That's awesome. Don't harden my heart. Is that who that is? Yeah. <laughs> Don't swallow <laughs> my tears. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that was it, Queensrÿche. Yeah, and yeah. then it went, you know, hot went went straight to the press, and um, you know, we've been 
forever trying to explain the spelling and what the umlauts mean. I was just going to say umlauts. I love umlauts, which you have in Condition Human. More umlauts, by the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's cool. Yeah, sure it is. (laughs) You're like, what's that mean? Well, you know, if you pronounce it this way, like, what if we're saying another word in another language? We don't know it. Well, that's the thing. We go over to to Europe and uh, and they go, Queen's Rouge. Queen's Reich. Yeah. Queen's Reich. Yeah, Queen's Reich. Queen's <laughs> Yeah, Queen's Reich. <laughs> We've heard it like a million times. Still ways. even now? Or, yeah. Yeah. Or some, some people, you know, they'll be like, um, hey, uh, you know, in airports it happens all the time. So, um, all right, I got to ask, you know, you, you kind of look like somebody. Yeah. Well, everybody's somebody. They're like, nah, like you're in a band or something. So, yeah, I'm in a band. Uh, what's the name of your band? I'm in a band called Queen's Reich. And they'll go, Queen's Right? I said, no, 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 no. Queen's Reich. And they're like, Queen, Queen's Reich. And then you know what I get? You guys on YouTube or Spotify? And I'm like, you know, it's like such a downer. I'm like, yeah, we're on Spotify. You guys got any albums or anything? Or Yeah. Yeah, we had a lady on a plane once, and uh, I was sitting on the aisle, and Eddie was on the, the next aisle seat, and he had two... Um, older ladies next to him and they're like so uh what are you you know what are you doing he's like i you know have to go for work now what do you do for work i in a band we don't have a concert and she's like oh what's the name of your band same kind of thing and they're like uh you have a tape (laughs) you know and he's like yeah you know we've, we've, we've had some tapes and she's like well where is it he's like well i don't have one on me she's like well, how do you expect to sell your music if you don't have a tape on you? You know, and I was like, <laughs> it's just like so funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I I did this radio thing with Lemmy one time, and we were going there, and I don't remember. I think I was there. I, for some reason, both of us were in in the radio station together. And they're like, hey, we got Lemmy in here, and we're gonna play some uh, some Motorhead. We got Ace of Spades. And Lemmy's like, you do realize we've had like ten albums since Ace of Spades came out. And the guy's like, sorry, I don't have any of your new albums. He goes, I do. And he pulled out the new album oh, from his back pocket. Oh, nice. And he's taught me, always have a copy of your new album whenever you go somewhere. I was like, ah, there you go. So you have one right, right. there. Right. You know? Smart. Smart. <laughs> You're talking about, it's, it's interesting, uh, the way record labels used to be. There's a great story, I don't know if you heard in D. Snyder's book, when he said you guys toured with Twisted Sister when you guys were first coming out. And they had been touring for years, and they pulled up in like in a beat up old van. And you guys had like a tour bus, and you guys actually had a push right from the start with some money behind you. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's the way to break new bands back in those days, and you were fortunate enough to have that. Yeah, we, well, we signed a you know big record deal with EMI, so we had all this tour support, and you know we were in our twenties. We didn't know that we meant you know that meant we had to pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we go okay, yeah, let's get a tour bus. Even Dude, still, we can. Right. We can party and sleep on it and get better and party again and sleep on it you know it's crazy and then you realize oh wait a second yeah, tour some but yeah, yeah yeah and then you know it was kind of like wow mm-hmm. you know we're not even the headliner and we have a tour bus and you know we were humbled a bit and so we had one of them stay on our bus every one uh, of the sister guys yeah we give them a bunk yeah yeah that's so, cool right we tried to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and, and you mentioned all the all the different bands that you opened for and all that sort of stuff, because that, that was, I mean, you, you guys really had a, a very versatile sound. You could fit in with ACDC or you could go with Iron Maiden or all those different types of bands. Um, and I think that's, that's probably helped you guys a lot. Do you, did you guys, did you ever feel that like you kind of got lumped in the prog rock category a lot of times? Did you ever feel that Queensryche is prog rock? 
percent. I think there's elements of it. Mm-hmm. Just because we get adventurous in our, you know, music, mm-hmm. you know, it's like change a time signature. Oh, they're Prague. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. They didn't do things in fours. They did it in seven. Okay. Yeah. They're Prague. <laughs> but that's, you know, first and foremost, that's what we are. We're musicians, you know, and we challenge ourselves. We, you know, and, and our writing is like, we all have different influences. We all listen to different types of music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, that was kind of our whole outlook from the beginning we're not rock stars we're musicians Mm -hmm. you know we're just like you and you and you and you you know so and it's just uh you know it's just what we are it's just Mm -hmm. how we i think we're a little progressive we're a little metal but you know we try and write songs we're a little melodic a little hard rock a little pop you know so it's kind of like a a unique blend of of something Mm -hmm. that we are and progressive now that that term means something i think to for me t- something totally different to the generation today you say oh you know our music is progressive or you know they think you know dream theater or you know all these crazy time signatures and you know virtuoso everyone in the players like just doing all this crazy stuff and i think well, one of the one of the great things that i took away from crimson glory when I first started doing interviews with John was talking about progressive music and are you a prog band? And something that he always said that stuck with me was it was, it was progressive in, in the way that the music was approached and, and it didn't, it didn't have to be the crazy time signatures. I mean, Pink Floyd is to me very progressive. They are sure they are, you know, but I think today, you know, there's so many um, bands out there that are doing these crazy time. You know, we call it math rock. Mm-hmm. You know, all this crazy time Sugar. signature. Yeah, all that stuff. That's like progressive that way. But progressive in Queensryche, you know, if you take a song like Screaming in Digital, you know, yeah, it's it's progressive. But it's from, you know, so many of the, the, um, the intros or the segues, something that's just a little off the beaten path that... To me, it's progressive thinking, not so much as just the odd time signatures and these, you know, amazing shredders. You know, Mm -hmm. you can have a lot of space in the music and still be very progressive. Um, and, well, and, that, and that's you know, the, the concept. I, of, I don't know if I'm translating. No, no, but right, like, even like I'm Operation Mindcrime as a as a as a extremely as a, progressive as a concept record. That's progressive. Sure. That someone would have a concept album. Well, strangely enough, I've actually done some interviews just because of Condition Human mm-hmm. for some progressive magazines, and uh, I haven't done that in a long time. Really? So because of some of the tracks that are on it, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it takes i'm right? not sure yeah. which which songs are i mean i'm sure we have lots of different time signature changes and and things but uh you know to us they're just songs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so but to those you but, know. but with your with your stamp on them as well you know mm-hmm. and that and that's another thing too i think with with condition human i mean you guys had some songwriting i guess what was like somebody like for example chris DeGarma leaves he wrote a lot of songs mm-hmm and then Jeff leaves, and he wrote a lot of songs. But you and Eddie wrote a lot of songs, too. And now you got Parker in there, and Todd's involved, and Scott's involved. Mm-hmm. You've kind of brought it back around to this real Queensryche in sound, which is part of you anyways. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard when you like, have, lose a big part of your songwriting, fan, uh, songwriting base to do that, probably, at first. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the strongest attribute to this band 
is the band itself. Mm-hmm. And the band's got to be firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're going to get your, your best music. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, let's get back to Michael Wilton and Todd Latore from Queensryche. How was it for you? You mentioned how you opened for so many bands throughout the 80s and early 90s, and then suddenly Empire comes out, and you guys become a legitimate headlining arena band. And that took, mm-hmm. that took some time. You guys paid your dues over the four mm-hmm. or five records before that. Was it like, uh, were you a, 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 the suddenly big-time rock star guy, or how did that feel for you at that time? Yeah, it was strange. I mean, we were fortunate. You know, we kind of, 82 is when MTV and vh1 all started happening and we kind of just grew with that right? mm-hmm. and then once we got to that point of uh, um, rage for order operation mind crime empire you know doing videos videos that was the big thing and you paid tons of dollars you know for right. these v- videos i mean we did these videos with wayne isham that were really expensive and wow but um you know all of a sudden we're on mtv and everybody saw you and and that's what happened. We got all of a sudden we got really popular, mm-hmm. and we were on award shows. We won the Viewers Choice Award on MTV. I like the Moon Man. The Moon Man. I got it handed <laughs> to me by uh, James Brown. Wow, how weird is that? <laughs> I wonder if James Brown had any idea who Queensrÿche was. Queensrÿche. <laughs> Queensrÿche. I'll bet you he didn't say it right. <laughs> How does that work at a moment like that? Do you see him backstage or you just walk on stage and that's the only time you ever had an interaction with him? Yeah, it's crazy backstage. Everybody's going which way, you know, and people yeah. are, you know, trying to get you to, to get to your spot in time. And um, it, was, it was very hectic, I remember. Right. It was surreal. And it just happened and it's like, you know. Well, you mentioned spending all this money on videos, mm-hmm. but that, that's how, I mean, it paid off back in that time frame. Like you would spend 250 grand on a video, but then sell... 500,000 records so it kind of all was part of it and paid it off right it it really you know catapulted us Mm -hmm. you know once uh eyes of a stranger got on mtv bang (laughs) it just yeah now we are headlining yeah yeah yeah. and uh you know and we ran with it until as long as we could that was the beauty of of those days with mtv i used to love watching you know Headbangers Ball and world premiere videos and even Dial MTV was all very metal based at that point. Oh, in time. I just yeah. loved it. And yeah. now, you know, everyone has a video. It doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything. It just but you know, when when if you had a music video and you were on MTV, there was nothing else that had that. <laughs> yeah. It was complete validation and it was like okay, these guys are huge. It it, it kind of by default uh, sent this message to the masses that you were rock stars. Sure. You were you, you were made it. Time. You were big time. You know, and so now it's like you know your your record is uh, is your business card to get people to come to your concerts, and you know a music video is just you know 
just a little just bit standard. of eye candy. Yeah. It's not, you know, everyone has one. And uh, I, I wish, forget about it. I mean, I wish so much that, you know, I could have been a part of those times too, because I mean, that was just like, I was such a, fa- you know, the whole industry was just so different then. And I think that um, because I've known people, you know, way, way, way before I met these guys in the business um, with, with some other labels and there was a nurturing growth um, factor that a label would invest in you sure, and to in build time, you right. up and, you know, yeah, to, to well, invest in the too. band. It puts you on the road with ACDC yeah, and Def Leppard. They did the whole Hysteria tour. Really? And, and once again, that's not a, a mix that you would expect right off the bat, Queensryche and Def Leppard. But it worked. Sure. We played in the round with those guys. Wow. Because people back then were just into... Rock and roll and heavy metal, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Hard rock. So whoever so, it was, yeah. like, and, and you guys had enough of a name where you could go with those bands, and you had the record company supporting you. Mm-hmm. And then we exactly. just did a run with the Scorpions. That I saw that. And you guys are doing another run with them at the residency in Vegas, correct? We're doing that. Yeah. That's a week in Vegas. And then uh, um, there's a potential uh, that we may be able to do some stuff um outside of that with them as well. Yeah, How maybe. was that? I mean, Scorps are, it was to amazing. me, one of the most underrated bands of all time so good awesome. so quality yeah i mean i grew up listening to them and you know like uli john roth scorps that era or... yeah taken by force yeah <laughs> you know guitar players if you could play the sales of sharon guitar solo you were like cool yeah <laughs> but then you know even the uh, animal magnetism love drive all those albums oh it's classic know, stuff yeah that's they're they're embedded in me and and to for me you know i was just a, a total fan so when we were touring with that, i would go out and watch them and see those songs I just How was that for you, oh my god Same thing. Oh. yeah it was amazing here i'll, I'll give you a little story because we're fine on time and uh and uh, it's, your, it's your fucking show you guys it's our show want. yeah <laughs> um so it, the the last um we had one show left at the show where center in seattle and we had just finished our show at the joint at, in uh, Vegas at the Hard Rock there, and uh, and so they said, "Hey, the Scorpions um, want to invite you to a dinner tomorrow in Seattle." Well, they they didn't have their buses because they were going to finish out just you know, with flying. We had our bus. We had to go from there all the way to Seattle. And I said to Mike, I said, "Dude, we're not going to make it in time." I go, "Did you book a flight?" He's like, "No, I didn't book a flight." I said, "I didn't either." And I think like Scott was the only one that booked a flight to go. And we're like, um, and I said, you know, to our to our tour manager, you know, how, dude, I need a flight. And I said to Mike, dude, let's go, let's book a flight. We're like idiots if we don't go do this, right? And because I have, I know, I've met people that remember seeing the doors and Hendrix and these bands, you know, and these guys are in their mid to late sixties. Okay. There's going to be a time where I will be able to say, you know, I toured with the Scorpions right? and we had outside of the, the catering at the, you know, on the, on the road, we had a great private dinner with just us and photographs. And we have so much, um, documented video footage of behind the scenes stuff of hanging out with all those guys. And so Michael and I instantly, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah. dude, we got to go. So <laughs> we booked the flight. We were, we, we were, uh, we were on a plane the next morning and we, we went to the metropolitan, which is a very, um, uh, 
It's a great, great steakhouse. Yeah, it's in it. Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle, which is your hometown too. Right, right. So we, so we went there, and Michael's wife um, went to the dinner, and you know, it was funny because we were like Michael and I were, I think, kind of the last ones to book the flight, and so we get there, right, <laughs> and 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 they had their crew, and they have a big crew, and it's like thir- a crew of thirty. Okay. okay. You know, they had five semis, five tour sure, buses. Sure, it's an arena. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whole Their production is great. Dude, it was insane. So anyway, so we we, we, we get to our t- – and we're like, well, where do you want to sit? We were sit? punctual. You know. Yeah, we were on time. We were, we were on time a little bit early, actually. Yeah. So when we walked in, um, you know, it was Rudolph and Klaus. And I said, so we walk in and we said – I looked at Matthias and I said, you know, well, where should we sit? Right here. Okay. So we sit down. So it's, you know, Matthias to my left, me – um, uh, Michael, his wife, Klaus, Klaus's wife, you know, and the band goes around. And then, so we're like starting to eat and like food's being served. So then like Eddie walks in and there's like nowhere to sit. And then, and then, you know, and then Scott walks in later and there's like nowhere to sit. And I was like, you know, I'm not leaving this yeah. seat, but I, you know, we can pull a chair and squeeze in, but I'm not moving, you know? And it was kind of like, um, Hey, sorry guy. And you know, Matthias and I talked for like an hour and a half about everything other than music. Right. You know, we talked about movies and documentaries and science stuff and all this cool stuff. And Michael and his wife are right next to Klaus and yeah, they're chatting the whole time. Just chatting. My wife is like, wow, I'm sitting right next to Klaus Mine and I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to him. Right. Just having a conversation, <laughs> yeah. eating, eating and, and chips. Dude, it was so cool. And then, you know, we get to watch him side stage every night. Yeah. And, you know, Matthias would come over and play and maybe he would see me or something and he would like wink at me or give me a thumbs up. And I thought... You you couldn't pay me enough for me to right. believe this story because in 1988 in Tampa I saw the Monsters of Rock tour, and that was with uh, Kingdom Come, Dawkins, Metallica, Scorpions, Van Halen. So that was the only time I saw the Scorpions, and now every day they walk by, you know, hey Todd, you know, fist bump and this and that. They were really gracious to us. Um, their crew was amazing. And um, our crew and theirs got along so great. Fast forward since that tour, it's been a very short period of time. We were asked to join them again. So not only was it an amazing experience for all of us and an honor to play with these guys, but to be asked again to do more was just such a, a, a treat. Um, and you know, and now it's going to be even cooler because we know all we know all those guys. Now you're buds. Yeah. Now we're buds, and so you know, and and like Michael, you know, I mean, being a fan of them, you know, even longer than than me, to know that this is like the guy's done everything. You know, right. he's and, toured with everybody. But when I look at Michael, and I know that he's like a he's a kid in a candy yeah. store, you know, and was... <laughs> it's so cool for me to to see that for them that they've already done all this, and he's still kind of giddy over it. You know, it's awesome. Which we're all still fans. Totally, that's the cool thing about yes. it, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, and the fact that uh, as a matter of fact, it's a quick little size. The first time I ever met Todd. We were in Holland at the Zvolt Cross Festival. Oh, yeah, Zvolt yeah. Cross. Yeah, yeah. And you were there with Crimson Glory. Yeah. And, and we were there with Fozzie. And you played your set. And then we met you. Me and Rich met you. And then so yep. we start playing our set. 
And I look in the crowd, and standing in the front row is Todd. Yeah. He went around and went through the crowd and stood in the front row. I'm like, why are you standing in the front row? And she's like, I yeah. wanted to get the vibe of it. I'm like, yeah. that's a cool Dude, guy. It was awesome. But I mean, that, that, that to me is like, this guy is, is a good guy, and you're a fan of, yeah. of what you're doing, yeah. which is, is important. Yeah, I mean, it know? was, well, not only that, but I hadn't seen you live. Oh, okay, right. And I was like, you know, I know who you are. Right. You know, you're a big celebrity and, you know, but I, but I knew because I always watched that metal show and I'm like, God, Jericho's on there all the time. Like this dude. And he <laughs> knows, shut up. He, well, no, he's, he knows so much. Like I, you can tell when somebody's passion right. is like, okay, this, this guy's the real deal when it comes to music. He's not this famous celebrity that, you know, kind of wants to try it. Mm-hmm. This is something that's been a part of him that the world didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right? right, because your big platform was your wrestling career. Right. It took way down one path. Right, right but sure. that was a nice catalyst because you already have this fan base and the and the exposure and your you know the resources that when you finally get to do something, it's like, hey, now I want to share with you what I, what I'm really about. You know, to my another core, platform, yeah. on another on another thing. Not that you're not about rap. I mean, no, obviously, I but it was, it was just something cool to that... see you in the front row. Like you wouldn't usually see that. Well, but know? then right. I was so impressed with your band. And I was like, wow, like, because I was a big Stuck Mojo fan, mm-hmm. so I knew who Rich and Frank were, but I didn't know, what, Bill, it's Billy? Billy, yeah. yeah Billy. Mm-hmm. And so, and I had never met you before, and it was an awesome thing. And then when we played, when we played our set, Rich was to the side, you know, doing the, you know, I'm not worthy <laughs> thing. And I was like, wow, this guy's like watching our set. This is so cool. And I became a fan of Fozzie, your band, right. from that moment cool. forward. But yeah, that's the, the camaraderie that we're talking about here, too. And you mentioned the Scorpions Queens right tour. That did great business because I, I, I was asked a couple of people that went and apparently like sold out crowds or full houses. It was nice. Yeah. And was, you're talking we arenas. We visited the arena, arenas, yeah. coliseums, and right. it was so cool. I mean, it was like, yes, we're back. <laughs> it felt yeah. like a rock, sh- you know, yeah. a big you grew up, rock show. That's what a re- you always saw bands in arenas. Yeah. It wasn't the club thing, right, unless right. they were coming up. But when they were already big, it was only arenas and mm. civic centers and that that kind of whole thing. So I remember going to Michael like, dude, this is how I remember growing up con- rock concerts to be. And their production was it's the aura and how it sounds. Dude, and it's, it's so awesome. The big stages. It's just walking down the hallway. To ah, the it's so cool. Because yeah. you know? it's, it's, uh, I saw you guys, too, on the Heaven and Hell tour. You were on that mm-hmm. tour as well, which is arenas, too. But mm-hmm. um, it just seemed like... The Scorpions was was a pleasant surprise because I was thinking, how will they draw in arenas? Like you never know anymore who's gonna right. who's gonna go. But they came, so that was a good build. I'm sure that had a lot to do with you guys being on it as well. It's a good mix. Yeah, it was, it was a really good mix. Just I mean, as yeah. we're, we're getting near the end, I wanted to ask you, uh, how was I, I was getting to this earlier when I was talking about you guys just being rock guys. You know, Warning comes out and it's leather and it's long hair, and then suddenly for uh, Rage for Order, you guys have a, a different look. There's a whole different. Uh, element there and i'm yeah. assuming that's probably a, a record company <laughs> that's telling you hey michael put some hairspray in there and put some makeup <laughs> on like how, how did they pitch that to you uh i don't it, it was you know an angle to take for the band yeah you know, hey you know okay we know you're musicians and you know but you need a gimmick but you need you need an image and we're going uh i'm not sure about this but you know we we took right. the advice of our management and uh-huh. You know, got those crazy outfits and did all that and had to make up artists and, you know, all that thing. And, you know, my wife was 
was watching and she's you know, all the all the wives were just laughing at us, you know. Just, uh, but and when they came out, it was it was pretty shocking, you know. But you know, we learned. Okay, sure. You know, our image is the music. Yeah, that's that's what it is. We're we're guys that wear you know leather coats and Levi's. You but know, it was so. the eighties, so you're allowed to go back and look at it and go, "What the hell was I thinking?" <laughs> when, whenever all of I us have those from the nineties and eighties. Whenever I go to his house, you know. There's like times where I go, hey, Michael, um, so like where's those clothes at? Do you still have them? He's like, yeah, I, I think they're in the attic in some box somewhere. <laughs> yeah. One of these days, I'm going to go up there and start Try snooping. Yeah. <laughs> Try, it'd be better than your red jacket. Oh, my God. <laughs> he probably paid a lot of money for those costumes, too. Yeah. I'm sure we <laughs> yeah. paid top dollar for them. You know? <laughs> and yeah. that's what I was, yeah. You know, the record company budgets, you know, video photo shoot budgets, all that. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. Right. But guess what? You got to pay it back. Yeah. (laughs) But you did over the years, especially with all the the records that you sold afterwards, for sure. Did you, were you ever a frontman in a rock, in a band before Crimson Crimson Glory? No. Because you were a drummer. Yeah. No, I never did. How was that transition going up front and kind of being the, I felt really naked and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it at first. My drums were my blanket. Sure. You know, and uh, I'm not a spotlight kind of guy in my personal life. So for me, it was like, eh. but I had been a performer as a drummer for my whole life. So the stage itself was very comfortable to me. Having guys on the same stage as me playing music felt great. It didn't take long for me to to kind of work into that. And the reason why I barely, you know, if you're going to stay for the show tonight, you'll see that I, I use a mic stand because we have the video production now. Um, but when I write a few shows into the Crimson first Crimson glory tour, you know, John denies it, but I still swear he did it. I might turn around and my mic stand was gone. And he's like, you know, stop relying on the mic stand. You need to walk around and do this and do that. And so for me, I feel really awkward with a mic stand because I never use them. Mm -hmm. So now I've started kind of using it. And um, I don't know where the hell I was going. Oh, talking about the blanket of the drums. And and it didn't take long for me to get into that position of just being a singer. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm doing something right now. (laughs) Final question, what's your favorite song from Condition Human, and what's your favorite song to play live? Well, right now we're uh, playing uh, from Condition Human, Guardian. Mm-hmm. And Great tune. Awesome. That's probably my funnest uh, song off the new album right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I still get a kick out of playing Queen of the Reich. You know, that's... It's such a classic. It's tune, just, man. you just see the... You know, who are the hardcore people in the audience when, <laughs> when you start that song? So, yeah. Um, but, you know, they're all they're all good. They're all uh, fun to play. And, uh, you know, it's a, we've got a really good show going right now. It's a good vibe. Mm-hmm. Todd? Um, I think the title track is probably, I think if it's not my favorite, it's definitely one of them. I, I lean on that one a lot because... Um, it has it has those that slow intro. It has the nice spacious qualities to it, um, and then it gets into a to a faster, heavier thing. So I like that one. Um, I like playing Guardian. You know, it's a song that I was a part of writing, and so it's it's obviously fun to play stuff that is or from material that I I was a part of. But 
the two songs that I'm having the most fun performing on this tour right now are Killing Words and Screaming in Digital. Wow. Those Race are my order tracks. Those are my two favorites right now on the tour. I as soon as I hear that intro to Killing Words, it's, I just oh I love it. Or you know, Screaming in Digital. I love the final yeah, Screaming in Digital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. That, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you before: Was there any songs that were really hard to sing? The, the like the older tunes was the one we were like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. Um, are they all so easy because you're so amazing? They're so easy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Honestly, the the hardest songs that um, one that I I always cringed when I would see it on the set list is I don't believe in love. Really? Yeah. Like I could sing the warning, you know, effortlessly. The whisper effortlessly, and then I would see I don't believe in love, and I'm like, shit. You know, because there's it's it's in that weird not high, not low. Yeah, it's it's like really chesty and and throaty and and it's just, you know, and so it took a long time for me to learn how to to navigate through that. There's a song called In This Light that we that we've been playing. And that was from our Mm -hmm. 2013 release. That's a hard one for me, too, you know, but. A lot of the other stuff, stuff that I thought would be really hard, like Operation Mindcrime, is like really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and singing song, what's another? Um, the mission is a little tricky, you know. But I'm I'm you know I'm finding my way through these songs. Most of the songs on this set, I think like ten or twelve songs are all new to me. But I'm and I'm having fun like best I can. You know, the, a lot of these songs are just and you'll appreciate this as, as a singer. You know, there's a lot of stabby guitar parts and then and there's nothing mm-hmm. you know like it's just you it's just you yeah you're naked, you know like yeah. mind crime you know was a da-da-da, yeah bam, 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 bam. it's all you <laughs> so you know you, you've got to really kind of be there and uh and best i can is another one that's uh but you know i've just found a um a technique that works for me where i'm able to uh to to pull it off and uh if he sings a bad note do you find him like james brown Nah, <laughs> no. Uh, put a, put a dollar in the jar. <laughs> nah, we don't do any of that. No, we don't. I wouldn't pay it anyway. <laughs> you could buy. Yeah, when can we expect payment? You can expect payment whenever you want. Take it out of my check. <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna take a while. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, thanks to Queens right there on the road. And you'll see them live if you get the chance in Las Vegas. They're doing the residency with the Scorpions. You can hear how much fun they had touring with the Scorps. They're going to be in Vegas in May. It starts May 13th. Queens right and the Scorpions at the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Great bill, great lineup. And Todd LaTorre is killing it with them. Uh, and you hear how great of a guy he is. Stood front row at a Fozzie concert in Holland. It was so cool to see him. I really like uh, Todd and Michael as well. Check out the dates for Queens Reich's tour at queensrikeofficial.com and don't forget their latest album Condition Human if you like old school Queensrike you will love this album it is worth picking up spend your money on this one and the best place to spend that of course is Amazon please use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links if you do that you can support Queensrike and Talk is Jericho at the same time the Amazon links are at podcast1.com click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page eh? then hit Talk is Jericho okay I got amazing links uh, amazing Amazon links for the USA the UK the Canada today every time you use Talk is Jericho 
Jericho Amazon links. Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the show to help us cover production costs. You can buy anything you want. There's no hidden fees or extra charges. And don't forget, if you're an Amazon warrior, a Talk is Jericho Amazon warrior, post whatever you buy on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho, and I will retweet it, and I will follow you. I want to see all the great stuff you're buying from Amazon. Don't forget, podcastone.com, killer deals button, and you'll find all my great sponsors when you hit the Talk is Jericho button. you got easy access to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, the DDP Yoga Now app. Yeah, DraftKings, use my promo code Y2J to play for free. Bet on all your favorite MMA, bet on all your sports, whatever you want. Switch driver, go to works, switchdiver.com. Use the promo code Chris to get 10% off and free shipping. Don't forget Geico, and don't forget, hit the, uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button at iTunes if you haven't already. You won't miss any of the crazy rock and roll stories, my analysis of WrestleMania, uh, all the great wrestling guests, paranormal guests, comedians, uh, athletes, porn stars, whatever you want. Go ahead and subscribe and then hit the, uh, leave a comment and hit that five-star rating, man. Uh, subscribe, five-star rating, comment. Help me to help you. I read the comments and the ratings and reviews is what's going to get this podcast to the number one of the iTunes charts. We've been pretty much in the top 40, top 30 for the last couple months, but get us to number one, all right? Tell all your friends about us. Tell them to subscribe on iTunes as well. Thank you for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. And next Friday, this Friday, we got WWE Hall of Famers, the fabulous Freebirds will be here. Michael Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin, what a couple characters that like the surviving members of a great Southern rock band. They're going to be here, man. You're going to love it. Go down to Bad Street. Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. Bad Street in the whole USA. Wow. Bad Street, nasty and hot. The further down the block we get, the better it got. We'll see you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.